Well, that was uh, two sermons. I think I got two more. What, what do you think? <laughs> uh, look with me in 1 Corinthians 3. When I've been with you, we've been on the, um, a series that we're calling um, The God of Increase. And this is vital revelation. Uh, as you get into these things, you begin to see how duped and deceived much of the church has been concerning these things. Because they, uh, I've met several people, you know, at our uh, fall socials here recently, and some more than one said, you know, people warned us, stay away from y'all. <laughs> that, you know, that prosperity bunch. Well, people say, well, that's that, uh, you know, health and wealth gospel, you know, and they say it with disdain. Well, gospel means good news. So if it's not that, what is the good news? You know, it's not bad news, it's good news. And certainly there is an issue of people being covetousness, covetous, and that is idolatry, and that's, that's not good, and that's a whole thing there. But is God the God of decrease? Are the God of just staying the same? He's not. He is the God of increase. And increase is His will for you. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 3, please. I believe it's the sixth verse or so. 1 Corinthians 3 and 6. He said, I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Verse 7, so neither is he that plants anything or he that waters. In other words, uh, they didn't cause the increase, the, the guy that planted, the man or woman that watered, but it was God that gave the increase. Amen. We've taken it for uh, granted, if you lived in the earth any length of time, but the reason you will eat today mm-hmm. is because of the miracle. Oh, the multiplication of seed. That one seed can turn into 20, 50, 100. Some seeds, a 1,000. How does that happen? That's a miracle. I said it's a miracle that one becomes many. That one is multiplied and increased. In Psalm 115, you know, we quote this uh, almost every uh, uh, almost every offering. Psalm 115, 12. It says, the Lord has been mindful of us. Lord, ever think about you? He said, he, he said he's got you on his mind. Mindful. He will bless us. That's what he thought about. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. That's not the end of the list. Keep going. He'll bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. Does that cover everybody that has respect and reverence for the Lord? Everybody. Verse 14. Or, yeah, excuse me. The, the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. So when we're praying over these parents and families a moment ago about them increasing, And having plenty, is that just some random thought or is that scripture? 
Is that the word of God? Is that the will of God? Everybody said out loud, the Lord shall, the Lord shall increase, me increase me more and more. Us and our children. So which way are we going to go? We're not going down. We're not decreasing. And we're not just staying where we are. Say it out loud. I'm on the increase. I'm on the increase. Hallelujah. Now you know Psalm 35. Put that on the screen for us. I'm reviewing just a little bit. Psalm 35, 26. Says, let them be ashamed and brought to confusion that rejoice at my hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. But let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually. This is something he says, say it all the time. Continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Should you say this? He said, say it continually. Let other people say it. And say it continually. Say it out loud. Let the Lord be magnified. I mean, other, other passages say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Well, let us exalt his name together. Let the Lord be magnified uh, about what? He has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Well, he's a father. What father, what mother enjoys seeing their children do without? Enjoys seeing them in lack, especially if they're in desperate condition. No good parent likes that. No good parent is pleased with that. And what we've got to get very clear, and don't think you have arrived at this. You can know this better. I can know this better. What do you mean? Poverty is bad. Abundance is good. Hmm? That's not just my idea. Uh, That's what the scripture says. That's what the blessing says. That's what the curse says. That's what all the Proverbs talk about. Like we we studied last week when, uh, when Jesus talked about that rich people that trusted in their riches would have a hard time getting in the kingdom. His disciples about fell out. They were astonished beyond measure. They thought, what? What? Because they rightfully associated riches with blessing. That's what happened to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon. All their history was wrapped up in that. And the Lord clarified it. He said it's it's trusting in the riches. Not just the riches, but trusting in them. Said out loud, the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in my prosperity. It pleases the Lord. For me to do well. Now you need to tell yourself that. Over and over again. Because religion has pushed something else. Another idea. That it might be God's will for you to be poor. That it might develop piety. Whatever that is. In in you. Might be his plan. Might be his will. 
But that is contrary to the entire word of God. It's never been his will. It's never been his plan. People will die today on this planet for lack of a good meal. That's poverty. Right? And so there are people who can't pay their electric bill or whatever. And they might, they might get cold, but they won't die. But it's the same evil stuff. Just different degrees of it. Come on, can you see this? So if a lot of it will kill you and is bad, a little of it is not somehow good. It's the same evil stuff. It's evil. It's bad. It's wrong. When it comes to God's plan. And all of us have uh, experienced less than God's perfect plan or will. But just because you experienced something that wasn't God's will, don't try to turn it into God's will. Isaiah talks about this. Isaiah 5 and verse 20. Isaiah 5, 20 says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them, verse 21, that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. The enemy is wicked. Now, that word has been used for all kind of stuff, but the word means twisted. Like a wicker basket. Or some, it means a twist, twisted. And the devil twists things. He's subtle. He's cra- he doesn't do it, obviously. He does it in a really sneaky, underhanded way. And he has convinced much of the church that good is bad. And bad is somehow good. Wow. Have you ever heard this phrase? A blessing in disguise. Oh, it was bad. But, you know, it it was a blessing in disguise. If it was part of the curse of the law that Jesus redeemed you from, it was a curse, is a curse, always will be a curse. People said, well, yeah, but, you know, when it was so hard and dark, I got back to God. Well, good for you. But you could have got back to God earlier. (laughs) You just say, you just told off on yourself that you're a bit slow. (laughs) I mean, you're not going to say it was God's will for you to sin and backslide and go away from him. Are you? No. Well, thank God if you got back to God. But don't try to claim that everything, all the bad junk that happened was somehow his will. I know people struggle with this, but where are you getting your information? What is it based on? There's only one, absolutely sure, unfailing, unchanging, sure foundation. It's what, the, what Jesus defeated the devil with on those 40 days and nights. Is that right? It is written. Sometimes the devil will try to trip you up on that and say, well, yeah, but it is written. And then you've got to say, it's also <laughs> written. <laughs> Go to Mark 14, if you would, please. He said, don't call evil good. 
Don't call good evil. Poverty, lack, is not, never has been, never will be a blessing in disguise. It is not. In uh, Mark 14, we looked at this in some detail in the beginning part of this series, and the Lord keeps uh, keeps bringing me back to it, and I, I'm seeing more and more why. It's this instance where uh, the woman brought the alabaster box yes. of ointment. Uh, Mark 14, are you there? Yes. Verse 3 Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, uh, and this is obviously somebody who had been a leper, who's not a leper anymore, elsewise they couldn't have, according to the law, been meeting at his house. As he said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. She broke the box, poured it on his head, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why... Was this waste of the ointment made? This is, there's so much revelation here. They had what? Indignation. They were indignant. Now, if you read John's account, you see that it was Judas Iscariot who, who immediately after this betrayed him, who was the most vocal about this. But that the other disciples went along with him. And bought into the, what he was saying. Of what? That this was a waste. Now this, this alabaster box was a thin stone box. It was uh, something that might have even been passed down from grandmother to mother. An heirloom. It was, it was worth approximately a year's wages. So depending on what money the person made. It, it could have been by our account today. 30, 60,000, 75,000, I don't know. But it was, when the Bible says it was very expensive, it was very expensive. And, is everybody listening now? Yes. She broke it, and when you break that box, all of that ointment comes out. It's nice, it's beautiful. The Bible said the room was filled with the fragrance of it. But it only lasts for... A short time. You know how that is. And then it's gone. And so is the uh, $60,000. It didn't feed anybody. It didn't clothe anybody. It didn't help anybody in need. So it was worthless. This is where we need revelation. Because, see, what I just said, man, there are, there are millions of people would jump on that. And if they didn't know we were actually quoting out of the scriptures, they'd go, oh, yeah, that's wrong. That's wrong. That money could have been used to help the poor. And that's what I want to talk about some this morning. What is our obligation to the poor? Y'all are quiet. What, what is our obligation? You'll hear people say a number of things like, well, you know, I've so much has been given to me, I, I feel like I owe it to give back. And you, you hear these phrases like paying back or paying it forward, you know, whether it's 
paying back, paying forward is still the idea of I owe it. But here's the problem. If you owe it, it's not giving. Hmm? If you owe it, there's no gift involved. It wasn't a gift. You just paid back what was due, what you owed. And you got to identify the poor. Who are the poor? I mean, that's a, what kind of scale are you using? You know, like we just got through saying, there are people starving to death for lack of food. That's the extreme of poverty. And then there are people, they're just a little short this month. But they're not starving. But it's all the same evil stuff, just different degrees of it. But do I have an obligation to people who have less than I do? Well, it's quiet in here, isn't it? Why, why would I? Based on what? Y'all okay or not? And are all poor the same? Should we even broach the question of why are they poor? Why? Now, there are people who are, who are in bad circumstances for no fault of their own. Especially when you're talking about children and these kind of things. I mean, through no fault of their own. And there are some people that are in bad circumstances. Uh, they, they just need uh, an opportunity. And they'll come out. Right? But there are other people. They won't listen. They won't listen to God. They won't listen to anybody. Hmm? And if they won't listen to him, why do you owe them? Why should you take resources that God gave you and give them to people to help underwrite their rebellion against him? Now, you can't know all of these circumstances and situations. There's only one way to get it right. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Is that right? That's the only way. Because there's so much you don't know. And there'll be people that look like they need something desperately. And maybe your heart goes out to them. But the Lord will check you. No, leave them alone. And there may be some other people. It may not look like, look like they're doing all right to me. But the Lord will deal with you. Help them. We must not just walk by the sight of our eyes. And judge after appearances. Because you'll miss it doing that. But what we must not let the enemy trick us up in, and he has done this to so many church-going people, is to shame you for having much and push you that you owe it to somebody else that has less. Based on what? Based on what? Do we all have the same God? Huh? Did God ordain that I be your source? Or you be my source? Did I look to you? Pull on you or you pull on me? 
Or didn't he plan that he be the only source and supply for every human being on the planet? Well, what if you won't listen to God? What if you refuse to believe in him? What if you won't do what he tells you to do? Well, then you're going to do without. And that can't be fixed. Even if somebody came and gave you everything they had, it won't last. Won't be long. You'll be in the same or worse situation. We all have the same source. And God's will is that all of us look to him, not to each other. Right? But if somebody's believing God for real, it's not unusual that he may deal with you. You have extra to sow to them because they are believing him. And then when you need something, he'll deal with somebody to sow to you. Not just for needs, but even for desires. Good desires and visions that come to pass. Dreams that come true. But notice what the enemy was endeavoring to do here. Keep reading it. Mark chapter 14. Verse 4. There were some that had indignation within themselves. So this was not just what they said. This is, and Judas was the leader of this. Judas Iscariot. He's indignant. He's mad. He's upset. He's grieved. He's indignant. And that indignant involves some of that holier than thou stuff. About what? About this woman's extraordinary gift to Jesus. That didn't feed anybody, didn't clothe anybody, didn't house anybody, didn't help anybody in need. And he said, why was this waste, wasted, waste of this ointment made? Keep reading. It might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor. (laughs) The thing about it, if you read John's account, it says... Judas said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and carried the bag. He wanted the money in the bag so he could get access to it. And you will find people who get so indignant. Why in the world? They they build those big church buildings like that. You know what they could do with all that money for the poor? Well, what are you doing? See, it's such hypocrisy. And the thing is, they're giving themselves away. They don't care about you. They don't care about the poor. They care about that money. And it chafes them so bad to see that you got money that they want. And they know that wouldn't sound right as, I want your money. I want your money. I really want your money. They know they'd be embarrassed to say that. So what do they say? The poor. You could have helped the poor. Hypocrisy. Oh, it stinks. If you care about the poor, help the poor. Don't judge somebody else for what they're doing or not doing. Practice what you say you believe. Anyway, they murmured against her. Did you hear this? Indignation. And murmuring, what are they trying to do? They're trying to shame her about what she has done. Do we see that today? Oh, man. 
all over. They're trying to shame her. They murmured against her. They were indignant about this thing. Now what should immediately spring to mind is whose box was it? Whose box? Her? It wasn't Judas' box. It wasn't any other disciples' box. It was her box. Now another thought to remember here, Jesus did not ask her for this. I said Jesus didn't ask her for this. This wasn't his idea at all. And it's not okay for ministers, anybody else, to be asking people for their, you know, alabaster box. Are y'all okay? Jesus didn't ask her for this. This was all her. But they murmured against her. They're trying to shame her because she did something lavish that wasn't for the poor. Go with me, if you would, to Proverbs. Y'all are a bit quiet this morning. Well, it's a subject, isn't it? I mean, it's, do we need to know what the Word says? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm mixing together my two messages here. (laughs) For time's sake, we need to do it, don't we? Uh, Help me out, Lord. Proverbs 19. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs 19. They said, uh, what a waste. Now, Now, Jesus told them, leave her alone. She has wrought a good work on me. They called it a waste. Jesus called it a good work. Can you see the twisting going on here? He said, Jesus said, it's a good thing. They said, oh, it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. The only good thing would be doing something for the poor. And, see, without saying it, they're judging Jesus, too. Because he received it. He didn't tell her, no, 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 don't do it. He, he could have possibly caught her before she broke it. Right? When he saw her heading his way. Not only that, you know, but he operates in the word of knowledge. And word of wisdom. So, I mean, when she, before she went and got the box, he could have perceived what she was going to get. And wouldn't it have been the perfect place to say, no, no, now come here, dear. Come here. Y'all, y'all hadn't been listening close enough in, in, in the sermons. No, don't, don't waste it on me like that. Uh, you could give this to feed people and do it. It would have been the perfect place if that's how he really believes, if that's how he really thinks. It would have been perfect place to make it so clear. People say, yeah, but he said he received it, you know, and she prepared his body for burial. So it's it's an exception. Oh, really? Is Jesus saying, don't do like I do? I did it, but I'm an exception. No, 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 never. So he's showing us that there are times when it's right and it's a good thing 
to receive a lavish thing. Huh? Because it has to do with honor. And and he told him, what what else he said? He said, the poor you're going to have with you always, and you can help them anytime you want to. He said, but me, you're not always going to have. So he said, yeah, but that's that's Jesus. So is he saying, uh, don't do as I do? Do differently than I do? No, he's setting an example in everything that he does. So no, it's wonderful to help people in need. But that is not the great commission of the church, to go into the world and meet people's physical needs. Why? Because for one thing, you cannot. You cannot do it. No government on earth, no rich person on earth or group of rich people will ever come close to being able to meet the needs of humanity. It takes God to do that. I said it takes God to do that. And you can actually miss God using resources he gave you to just dispersing them whenever you see need. Because like what we said, why are they in need? Why? Are, are, are they just dependent on you? God never intended that I look to you. Or you look to me. But see, godless people, that's all they know to look to is other human beings. So they're going to pull on each other. And then they'll try to preach and say, you owe it. Because you have more, you owe it. We've had people get indignant with us and just demand sometimes. Now, we, we don't talk a lot about it, but I guess we help people in different things about every week. And But there are people that have come and demanded that we did something for, for them because we're a church. Hmm? And we probably didn't on that one. I'm serious. Uh-uh. Because we don't owe it to them. Nor do you. Hmm? God doesn't owe us salvation. It's a gift. I said it's a gift. He doesn't owe us the Holy Spirit. He's a gift. He doesn't owe us healings. Come on, are y'all with me? It's a gift. It's a gift. And by the same token, I don't owe you. And you don't owe me. I owe you love. Not money. And all of us have limited resources. So what are we supposed to do with the resources we have? We're supposed to do what he directs us to do. And you've got to discipline yourself not to be moved by sad stories. huh? Or what you see or what you hear. Because the enemy is always trying to steal from you. And he'll try to get you to do the wrong thing with it so that not only did it not help them, but now you don't have it when you need it for something else. He's done that many times with people. Proverbs, are you there? Proverbs 19 and 17. 19, 17. He that has pity on the poor does what? Does what? 
owes it to the poor. Huh? If you owed it to the poor, what's the rest of it? That which he has given to the poor, God will pay him again. If you owed it to the poor, the Lord wouldn't uh, have to pay you back. Can you see this? No, you don't owe it to them. That's what mercy is. It's grace. It's giving. And people who, who think they're entitled, who think it's owed to them, are actually forfeiting grace. These are people you should not help. Unless the Lord specifically directs you to do it. Now, there are exceptions. Sometimes the Lord will deal with you to do something, even though a person's not believing God, not acting right. It's just mercy. But in many of these cases, if somebody acts like it's owed to them, you, you should not respond. Because that's how God is. You come to him talking about how he owes you something, you're going to do without. Nothing's going to happen for you. That's how you fail of the grace of God. That's how you forfeit grace. Because if you think something's owed to you, if it was given to you, you won't even be thankful. Can you see that? You won't even be thankful. Why? Oh, you thought it was owed to you. Why? Just because you're breathing? (laughs) Why was it owed to you? People say, well, we're all owed a good life. According to who? (laughs) Who owes you a good life? No, every human being on the planet breathing oxygen is not owed success or owed a good life or owed anything from people who have more than they do. These are lies. And when the enemy comes and tries to shame you for having more than somebody else or tries showing indignation against you because you didn't more, they are hypocrites. Again and again, people that are, are judges are not doers, James says, and Romans said. You, you can see it immediately. People think, well, you should do this, and you should do that. Phyllis and I laugh sometimes. I don't know how many people we've had say, you know, I've been praying, and I just feel real strong that you should do this. <laughs> Talking about us. Is that right? You feel real strong that we, while they do what? Except judge. Just judge what everybody else is doing or not doing while they do absolutely nothing. But don't let that make you mad. Don't let that chafe you. Just don't let it influence you. Don't take it. You know, the Bible said, uh, the Spirit of God through Paul told Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. How How can you do that? You can't control what somebody else thinks about you. So how can you not let someone despise your youth? You don't let their despising influence how you see you. And somebody's indignation about, oh, y'all go over there to that, you know, uh, prosperity church and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, they're showing their ignorance. Hmm? And the thing they fight against, they don't know what we do or what we don't do and don't care. 
They just want to judge. They just want to fuss. They just want to find fault. And they don't care about us. They don't care about the poor. They don't care about the church. They care about the money, the money, the money. And it just hurts them so bad to see somebody else have it. (laughs) And that's their problem. Their covetousness. But oh, if they could only find out. If you get your eyes off of us. Get your eyes off of any other man or woman or group. Lift up your eyes. Oh, come on. To the Lord your God. Find out how good he is. What he will do for you. He will, he, the Bible said he takes people out of the, the, the garbage pile, out of the junk Amen. heap, and sits them with princes. Yes. Always a good God. Yes, but you got to quit judging and fighting and coveting and covetousness and all that kind of stuff and submit yourself Amen. to the Lordship of Jesus and, and, and listen. And when he says, get a job. It is written. We talked about people. Why are people poor? There's a lot of people poor because they will not work. They can't keep a job because they won't listen. They won't submit. They won't take instructions. They won't get up and and get to work on time. Are you supposed to help them because you have more? Because they won't do what the Bible said? Because the scripture said, if you don't work, you should not eat. That wasn't me. That wasn't you. That's New Testament. Yes, sir. It is written. Amen. And yet people will try to imply, yeah, but you know, they just, uh, they have trouble with authority. Well, yeah, I could lay in the bed and be lazy too. <laughs> Not listen to anybody. How many of you could just get lazy and goof off tomorrow? You got to get up. Wake up. Get it in gear. Is that right? Get to moving. And if you won't do it, according to the scripture, you should go hungry. And the enemy will try to shame people who have something. Say, you should do something for them. I should underwrite their rebellion against God? Huh? I, I should support their laziness? They're rejecting Jesus as Lord. They're rejecting the Word of God. I should support that. I should not. I'm not your source. You're not my source. If the Lord deals with you to do something for me, and I think right, I realize you didn't know it to me. It's a gift. Is that right? And this this woman that gave this beautiful gift, Jesus didn't ask for it. It was hers. It was never Judas or any of them. She gave it. It was beautiful. And they can fuss and cuss all they want to. Jesus shut them down. He said, leave her alone. What you're calling a waste, I'm calling a good work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are good works other than feeding people and clothing people. There are good works that involve showing honor and showing respect. Without, you know, not too long ago, we read in the scriptures about how that David was going to show respect to a, a king who had died and to his son. 
His son was named Hanun. And he sent delegates over there to say, you know, uh, your father was kind to me and helped me, and I just want to show respect. Well, the uh, the uh, uh, advisors came to the new the son, the young king, and said, "Do you think that he really sent these over here to honor you? No, they're spies coming to spy out the land." And so they cut off their beards, half their beards, and cut off their clothes to where their backside was exposed, and just, you know, mocked them and caused a war. You know why? Because ungodly, covetous people have no concept of honor. They don't even know it when they see it. They don't believe it. They think they think everybody's like they are. Got an ulterior motive. They're like, what, what's that? What are they really after? He was really after saying thank you to your father. Your father was kind to me and helped me when I needed it. And I just want to show respect. See, ungodly people, they won't even believe that. They don't understand it. And so they couldn't understand. Judas didn't understand that this woman, she cared more about Jesus than she did this box and this money. It meant more to her. She wanted to show honor. She wanted to show respect. And Jesus said, that's a good thing. Leave her alone. You remember on another case, you, you learn a lot about honor, studying David and, and, and these things. He, he knew something of God in these areas. And there was a time when the enemy had captured Jerusalem. And they were outside there in the hold looking across at enemy-occupied territory. And David just said out loud, he just sighed and said, Oh, if I just had a nice cool drink from the well of Bethlehem. What he really wants is control of the well again. He wants to get it all back so he could drink. Well, the Bible said three of his mighty men overheard him. You remember that? And and I don't know, you know, but it gives their names and it tells some of their exploits. But three of them, they looked at each other and one of them said, did you hear that? I said, yeah, I heard it. Uh, uh, the king needs some water. Yeah, he does. You with me? I'm with you. You? Yeah. Get the king his water. Man, they strapped on their swords. They strapped on their gear. And they went through enemy lines and got to water. Then they had to come back through enemy lines to get to the king. And he, st- he didn't even know this had happened. He's standing on the side. And they show up over there. Of course, you know, probably blood and sweat rolling off of them. And they said, oh, king. He said, yes. He said, uh, did you want some Bethlehem well water? He said, yeah. You know, I said, he said, here, oh, king. <laughs> Woo. He said. This is from the well? Then he looked him up and down and he realized, yeah, it's from the well. <laughs> Look at it. They've been through it, buddy. And he held it up. He said, uh, this is too valuable. This is too valuable for me to drink. Why? This is like the blood of these men's lives that jeopardized their own lives to go get there. He said, I'm going to give it to the Lord. Oh, come on, can you see this? I'm going to offer it to the Lord. And he poured it out before the Lord. Now see, people who don't understand, they go, are you kidding me? Are you joking me? He poured it out. Yeah, see, you don't understand honor. 
Because to many people that would be what? Waste. Waste. But it wasn't a waste. He said, this is so valuable, it's too valuable for me to drink. What would give it a higher status? Give it to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, can you see that? And they knew enough about honor till they're over there going, oh, you know, thank you. Thank you. They were, they were more honored than if he had drunk it because they understand honor. Judas is squawking about waste. They're murmuring against the woman. Even the other disciples got caught in it. Why? Because the enemy is that way. He is so disrespectful. He is so accusing and judging and covetousness. And he's always bringing these thoughts and feelings, including the church people. And if you listen to it, the next thing you know, you'll be judging things you got no business having an opinion about. You'll be saying things and calling waste and other things, but you're just showing how little you understand about the honor of God. She honored Jesus. It ministered to him. He called it a good work. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody.